parents and adults have the power to stand up and stop the bullying, fix it and prevent it. It doesn't have to be just the parent, the teacher, the custodian, the aunt, the neighbor, or the bus driver. All it takes is one caring adult to make all the difference. A student who is being bullied at school is being denied an opportunity to learn. So pay attention. There are many warning signs that may point to a bullying problem, such as torn clothes, unexplained injuries, loss of appetite, or a reluctance to go to school. Targets of bullying need an adult advocate. Take the pledge to be that adult at nea.org slash bullyfree. A message from the California Teachers Association. Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time talking for about. Mortgage Matters. Well, hello there, everyone. Good morning, late morning to you here. It's Saturday, October 5th. Another live edition of Mortgage Matters here on KVEC. For those of you who are listening earlier to the Jeff Bradley Show, thanks for sticking around with us. Um, if you're a first-time listener, you're about you're about to get quite a treat. This is a, it's a fun little talk show we've been doing for about five years. Um, like to keep our local residents and actually some some out of towners up to date on what's going on in the local real estate markets. Um, we also touch on state and national news that's related to real estate, finance, and the general economy. So we've got. Got an interesting show for you today. Um, obviously, there's a lot of news in the headlines about government shutdowns. So we'll be touching on that and how that impacts uh, the real estate market. Um, we're also going to have a guest on a little bit later in the show, um, following up on a on a project that's been going on in San Luis Obispo. So I'll just tease you a little bit, and you can stay tuned for that. Uh, she'll be coming in around 10:30. Um, I I guess. Skipping over the housekeeping stuff here. My name is Dan Podesto. I'm uh, one of the founders of Central Coast Lending. We're the folks who bring the show to you every week. And I'm joined by one of our fantastic loan officers from the South County area, actually residing in Grover Beach, Jason Van Dyke. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? Not bad. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Uh, you a baseball fan? Uh, not really. Dang it. Sorry. See, scary. normally normally I have Jason, the other Jason in here, and we can banter a little bit about baseball. I could give him a hard time that his Angels didn't make the playoffs and the A's are are in there. Although I was a little disappointed last night. We lost. Did you? I'm sorry. It was tough. I hope that's going okay for you. I do, too. I hope that we can recover. I'm more of a football guy. Um. Yeah, and you're a Denver Broncos fan, huh? I am. It's a good year to be They're a Broncos unstoppable. Fan. Yeah, they look pretty good. They look pretty good, for sure. Um, let's see here. I'm getting through some uh, technical difficulties as we get on the show. Little computer issue. We're gonna we're gonna save that for later for a commercial break. Um, okay. 
Did you have some baseball stats you wanted to go over? Quick, <laughs> no. <that> <laughs> no, just trying to dig up the notes here. Very good. No, so I've got the stats memorized. Okay, I, yeah, I've, I've already done my analysis, watched the game three times. <laughs> you know, got to give them my feedback before the next game. See, I truly believe that, too, that I influence the outcome of games. That's good. Either by watching or cheering. Are you a betting man, then? You no, 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 don't bet. I don't, don't trust my instincts you don't have at that all. that kind of confidence. No, no. Okay, okay. No. So you just got back from vacation then, yeah? Um, yeah, I did. I, I was down in San Diego. I missed last week's show. Um, I was down in San Diego for my uh, cousin's wedding, and he actually used to work with me um, at a previous mortgage company, so that's the mortgage tie-in. But yeah, uh, family wedding down there. I was actually in the wedding. It's a nice opportunity to get down to beautiful San Diego. Weather's weather's great this time of year it's that beach weather where the fall really is the the nice time of year for sure um so yeah it was nice got to see all my family um caught a cold though while i was down there don't expect to catch a cold when you go to san diego but i did <laughs> that's too bad I'm um, sorry to hear that. yeah so we'll work it through that if i sound funny that's why um okay well let's dive in here there, I mean, the big news of the week, and really the thing that's dominating the headlines, has been um, the government shutdown. Has it impacted your daily life? Uh, not so much. I mean, <laughs> it, uh, I, I, it, it. Still able to pump gas and yeah, go to the grocery store. Yeah, able to and stuff do like the that. things I would normally do. I mean, I guess the the things that uh, I'm spending most time with is talking to clients, just really how it affects them and and the mortgage process. Um, obviously, there's a. There's a lot tied in with the government and mortgages and mortgage-backed securities and and just the overall markets and trying to get a handle on what uh, what the government shutdown means for interest rates, short and long term, and then also the processing of the existing loans that are taking place right now. So there's definitely some things that we're having to deal with that we normally wouldn't have to deal with for sure. So I think from the business perspective on our business, I think that uh, that there's definitely some some adjusting that we're having to, to do right now for sure. Interesting. So I'm I'm well aware of the process side of things and, and how that's impacting. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. But I'm curious, you're you're saying on the rate side, you're you're discussing with people how this shutdown is Im- impacting the rate environment. What what are you seeing there? Well, I guess that's really the that's the question, right? What uh, what's going to happen with interest rates long term, and how does the government shutdown affect that? And I mean, there's 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 several things that uh, that we're talking about, but I think the the last um, last Fed meeting we were really talking about tapering and when when the government's going to start tapering some of the investments that they have in the mortgage-backed securities and and treasuries and. So now, you know, with everything that's happening with the, the shutdown, I think that uh, we're thinking that tapering may not be something that they implement during the uh, the Fed meeting October, the end of October 29th and 30th is the next Fed meeting. So if that gets pushed out into 2014, which which I'm reading may be the case, we may still have some uh, some low interest rates heading through the, the rest of the year, which is which is a positive thing for uh, for at least the mortgage industry and, and mortgage rates. Yeah, I. And I'm actually a believer that we're probably not going to see any action on the tapering side until probably next year. I I think it's a long shot that we'll even see it, you know, at the December meeting. The December meeting's one that's a pretty popular um, meeting to say that's when they're going to do it because they're each quarter there is a. Uh, not just a meeting, but there's also a big press conference that follows the Fed meeting where Ben Bernanke gets to talk 
about the reasoning and rationale behind the decisions mm -hmm. and, and any discussion that took place. Um, so they did that at September. That's why September was the, the meeting where everyone was speculating that there would be a major move because there would be this opportunity to discuss why sure. afterwards. And we're not going to have that, that opportunity for the why discussion, at least not as significant as, I mean, there, we always see transcripts and things like that, but here there's a full on press conference and that won't occur again until December. So, um, that's, that's, the the next meeting that I've really heard to be the the potential for the the major move to occur, but I I just don't see it. I th I think that all of the indicators right now are are suggesting that growth is going to be slowing. Um, we've already had some somewhat disappointing employment numbers this week, a um, little below expectations, some downward revisions to the number of jobs added for previous months. So I, and, and then there's also this talk that Bernanke is going to be stepping down. There's going to be a new fed chairman. So I kind of think that, um, that they're just going to stay the course until there's a new, a new leader at, at the fed. Um, and then that new leader will get to determine the new direction. Yeah, that's, that's my belief. Yeah, no, there's a lot of uncertainty for sure with everything that you, you just mentioned. And I, I think it's important to know that I think that uncertainty really help support low interest rates. Um, the, if we look at the stock market and the bond market, uh, those two investments are, are always competing for the same investment dollars. So anytime we have uncertainty and there's some fear in the markets, money seems to flow out of the stock market and into the safe haven of the bond market. And anytime we have that money flowing into the bond market and supporting the bond market, we're going to support a low interest rate environment. So I think just all of the uncertainty that we're seeing right now also lends to to a low interest rate environment moving forward now freddie mac this week reported that um the 30-year fixed interest rate declined for i believe this is the third week in a row third, third straight yes. week mm -hmm. um right. they're reporting an average 30-year fixed interest rate of 4.22 percent um which is the lowest level since june um it was may and then june where we saw two big spikes in interest rates mm -hmm. May was the first move from the, the lows that we had seen. The three, three and a quarter percent rates moved up about a half point. And then in June, we saw it move up about another half point. Um, so we're still sitting about one percentage point higher than the really the all-time lows. Um, but by historical standards, still, um, still excellent interest rates. Um, so that's the good news. Right. The bad news with what's going on with this government shutdown is that loan applications are stalling. And, and it's because of all of the checks and balances in the loan process now. That's, that's the biggest reason. Now, what's changed in the last four or five years since the, the whole housing market has changed is more um, verifications to make sure that you are who you say you are, that you, you make the income that you say you make, no more stated income, no more, you know, just we'll, we'll take your word for it kind of stuff. We, in the mortgage process now, not only do we want to see pay stubs, W-2s, 1099s, tax returns for two years, um, any other returns for business entities you might own, we're now, we also um, have you sign a form from the IRS called a 4506T. It's a, it's a way for us to pull tax transcripts to verify that the tax returns that have been provided to us as the lender are not fraudulent, that the, the numbers are accurate and, and were in fact the same numbers reported to the IRS. Um, 
with this government shutdown, those those transcripts are not being processed. They're not deemed an, an uh, what is the term, a, a necessity, uh, essential, an essential service of the government. Um, and then there's also the social security verification, which is, you know, to verify that, verify your identity. Um, those those uh, verifications are also not being processed. So we've got two big parts of the underwriting process that that are just stalled right now. And all week long, we've been getting emails from all of the banks that we work with about how they're going to proceed with loan applications moving forward. Did you read? I mean, we've we got overwhelmed with emails all week long about sure. that. Did you read a lot of them? I did. I I, I saw some of that. And I, I, one thing, and, and sort of pitching to the the broker side of things, which uh, really benefits us and our business models, we have a lot of banks to choose from. So we're able to avoid the banks that are saying we will require tax transcripts on every file. If we cannot get them because the government is closed, then you should expect delays in fundings and rate locks expiring. And so by us getting those emails and being in communication with the lenders that we have that are, are waiving that, um, it's, it's, it's a huge advantage for us to be able to, to process these loans and get loans closed while other bigger banks are stuck in the mud because they, 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 they're waiting for the government to open back up. So I think that's a, that's huge. It's a big advantage for us right now. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny. I, the, the big machine, the for-profit banking industry, when something like this, something out of, of an average homeowner's control comes along like a government shutdown and you've locked in your interest rate and you're, you're just, you've done everything that's been asked of you. And, and now your loan file simply not moving forward because the government isn't able to do some of the necessary things in order to get your loan um, to the finish line and your rate lock expires, you pay for that. For sure. the, the bank doesn't comp. They don't say, you know what, that's tough luck. We're going to help you out. They don't do that. So this is something that will impact um, the pocketbooks of, of people who are currently engaged in a loan transaction. I'm so glad that you brought up the point about having different options as a, you know, with our company's structure um, as both a direct lender and a broker. We we have, you know, up to upwards of 40 different outlets for our loans. And what I noticed all week long, earlier in the week, um, everyone came out with their announcements about how the, the shutdown would impact the process. And most everyone said that, you know, we can process your loan through underwriting. We can get you ready for loan documents. We can even have you sign loan documents, but we just cannot fund your loan until we get these things processed. As the week went on, I noticed that a few banks started to change their policies, For sure. started to relax them. You know, we're going to go ahead and fund the loan. And whenever the government reopens their doors, we're then going to process these things um, to complete what we need to do on our side. But we're not going to hold you up. And I, I just, I love capitalism. You know, we're always going to find a way to get business done. For sure. And, and that's what's happening. And not every bank was doing that. So having options is certainly um, a benefit at this time. But I, I just, I found it humorous that the way the policies were evolving just in a short period of time like this week. I think it also speaks to the fact that uh, you just alluded to about uh, application rates being down. 
and consumer confidence. I mean, if, if, if you're a, a home buyer and you're reading the articles and you're listening to the show and, and you're hearing the horror stories about uh, pipelines getting locked up at these big banks where you can't process a transaction, I mean, how much confidence do you have in, in putting an offer in on a home right now and feeling confident about being able to get that loan funded. So I think that that plays a, a big uh, a big factor in the applications being down right now. And then also the the overall you know housing recovery. So I think that that uh, definitely puts some things in question for sure. <laughs> Along those same lines of of applications being down, um, some of the some of the strategies that are being employed now by lenders to to try to fight for this lower lower volume of business, uh, we're seeing profit margins getting narrower. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing definitely more competition on, on price. We're seeing relaxing of some credit standards. I've seen several um, lenders this week lowering their minimum credit scores on conventional loans. Right. Um, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, they all will, they have their criteria in place, but most banks do something a little more conservative than what those agencies will actually allow. Sure. And now we're seeing these banks start to relax more to what the full breadth of, of what Fannie, Freddie, and FHA will allow. So that's something that um, that I'm noticing. And I think it's, it's also one of those things where the credit scores get relaxed a little bit, even when, um, you know, the government gets back on track and, and maybe even applications start to pick up a little bit, you're probably going to see those standards stay relaxed um, as long as loan performance is, is for the most part pretty good. I think this is just the beginning of what we in the industry, the mortgage industry, like to call that pendulum swinging. Exactly. It's exactly this what is, I was thinking. This is Coming it. back the other way just slightly. Anyway, <laughs> yep. just slightly. It's the beginning of, of, of a greater swing, I think. I don't um, think we're going to see the the no income. Just no wait. Asset. We don't know how low volume is going to get. You know, we need to. We we've got more tricks in the bag to, to right. keep. You know, mortgage is a funny business. It's a big, big industry. A big, big side of of bank profitability. And as you all know, banks are are big. <laughs> banks sure. are powerful um, entities in our in our world in our economy, um, and they will find a way to be profitable. Um, they've got. They've got the ear of government and the ability to get things done. So I think that uh, anything's possible. Well, we'll look for that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're going to step away here for our first commercial break of the show. Um, In just a few minutes, we're also going to be welcoming on Julia Ogden. She is the, I don't want to mess up her title, I believe the president of the local Habitat for Humanity chapter. We've had her on the show a couple of times. Um, In fact, our office even took a day off work a few months ago to lend all of the hands we could to help uh, build some homes for some needy families in the area. And so we're going we're gonna to hear um, about those projects and where they stand today. So in the meantime, we'll uh, thank our sponsors for helping make this show possible, and we'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. 
Imagine if you'd purchased Google stock 10 years ago or bought gold before it went through the roof. How much money would you have right now? Today's real estate market is ripe with opportunities just like these. It's rare that real estate values and mortgage rates are low at the same time. Rates will go up and home values will too. Stop renting. Owning a home is more attainable than you think. We are living in the golden age of real estate. Call 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. One, two, three, four, one, two. Let me tell you how it will be. There's one for you. All righty, welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters. Before we bring on our guest, um, just want to button up the conversation that Jason and I were having here um, in the previous segment about the government shutdown and, and how that was impacting the world as we know it this past week. Um, one of the other... Uh, Aside from the mortgage applications, which I think we we made it through, was the uh, this the first Friday of every month is supposed to be the employment report, and right. that's you know talking about tapering. That's really been the critical measure that the Fed is looking at to decide when tapering is appropriate. Um, looking for an unemployment rate of six and a half percent. I kind of I feel cheated this week. We didn't get it. Yeah, the, uh, it's interesting because the Fed has to work a little blind here. Um, they, they often use these reports and economic indicators to, uh, to really 
put forth, you know, what their next move with interest rates will be and the policies that they need to prepare for. And, and obviously that we talked about that meeting the end of October. So, so not having those reports available because of the government shutdown uh, definitely will, will affect sort of the, the process that they would typically go through in, in analyzing the data and, and making decisions moving forward. So there's some, again, more uncertainty with, uh, with the markets and, and where, you know, interest rates will and won't go. Yeah, the we we normally get a very thorough report, and all we got this week were a couple of the standard weekly reports, the weekly jobless applications, which continue to be be pretty darn good, all things considered. Uh, this week, jobless applications were down, to, or actually up just slightly from the week prior, but at three hundred eight thousand, which is near six year lows. So that's that's still a fantastic number for the jobless applications, the new applications for jobless aid um, staying down. We, we like to see that, less people losing their jobs. What we want to see, in addition to less people losing jobs, are more people gaining jobs. And that was a little bit disappointing this week. Um, we were expecting about 180,000 jobs added. We only saw 166,000 jobs added. We also saw downward revisions to both the August and July figures. So overall, not uh, what we were hoping for from the little bit of jobs numbers we did get to see. Um, so without getting more clarity and explanation um, from the bigger jobs report that was supposed to have come out on Friday, this is all we have to go on. And it was generally disappointing. And we also saw that um, last week with consumer confidence. Consumers are a little concerned about the jobs market still. and. It's affecting confidence. I've got to imagine that um, as as the euphoria of this, the prospects of saving money from refinancing their homes and things like that wears off, really, what what else has been the bright spot besides housing and low interest rates? There, there really hasn't been a lot. So, right. so the general public is turning towards the jobs market, and not seeing a ton of progress there, and and so that's that's a bit disappointing. So. I again more more support for um, probably staying the course with the monetary policy for the foreseeable future. Right, right. Which is which will be good for again the low interest rate environment and and not in increasing those interest rates. Yeah. So yeah, but you're right. We didn't see normally those numbers would be a catalyst for some uh, some market movement, and we just didn't have those numbers. So we. We, we just didn't have that uh, have that movement that we typically see. On a local level, real quick, we did see the slow county jobless rate um, fall. This, this is a number that came out um, a week or two ago. I think I actually clipped this article before I went out of town last week. Um, the slow county jobless rate fell to 6.6% in August. We are tied with Sonoma County for the seventh best um, unemployment rate in California among the the 58 counties in California. Marin County continues to be the um, best county as far as jobless rates go with a jobless rate at 5%. And then Imperial County continues to be the uh, worst job market with a 26.3% unemployment rate. Um, so San Luis Obispo looking pretty good. 6.6% um, is pretty darn close to full employment. I believe 5% is considered full employment. Um, so we're, we're doing well. We're, we're down. I think the peak August in unemployment rate in San Luis Obispo County was 10.1%. So well off of that number. All right. Well, I think it's about time to welcome our guest onto the show. We've got 
Julia Ogden becoming a regular on the show. <laughs> We're just going to have you host one of these days. That'd be fun, actually. <laughs> I, would, I would enjoy that. <laughs> well, Julia, in case uh, you folks don't remember, is the CEO and, uh, as I understand it, now also construction manager. <laughs> Temporarily. Uh, temporary construction manager for the local Habitat for Humanity chapter. Yeah, unfortunately, our, our construction manager came down with valley fever at a, um, not a good time, but, you know, we're, we're very concerned about him and, and his health, and we're sending lots of good thoughts and prayers his way. But, yes, somebody had to step in so we could get the three houses on Rockview Place completed, which they are completed. Um, the gas meters go in on Tuesday, and the families move in Tuesday afternoon. Oh, that's great. We went ahead and did the uh, home dedication because we're so close. You know, I mean, if you walked into the houses, they are complete. They look great. Um it's just you'd see these pipes sticking up there <laughs> without any meters on them. So, but the gas meter ha or the gas company has come through, and they'll be hooked up Tuesday, and the families will be in officially. Great. That's so when, great. when is a good time to catch valley fever? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, not when we're building. I think <laughs> right. you know. I mean, he he. I have to give Brian a whole lot of credit because he is calling me from his sick bed oh, wow. with you know. Here's the phone numbers. He's making phone calls. So we've turned into quite a team, and I'm sort of the boots on the street, and and he's he's calling and and trying not to hack up a lung in the process while he's talking okay. to me. Uh, poor man. So I, you know, but we we've done a, a good job. It just sort of threw a kink in the works here for a few weeks. Well, with um, all that technology, you can just, like, Skype him <laughs> in and show him what's going on. I didn't even ask him about that. <laughs> Maybe I should have. Uh, you it's know? probably better that he's not uh, too involved. No, no. <laughs> well, kudos, kudos to you guys for putting that together and keeping everything timeline-wise in own order. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. It's It was, you know, this was a complex build. Um, you guys were out on the side. Uh, you saw it. We swung yeah. some hammers. You swung some hammers, and thank you for actually doing what you said you were going to do. That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> but you saw how narrow the lot was, yeah. and and it it that created some challenges. You know, we couldn't pave the lot because we needed a drop off place for materials, and that meant volunteers were running through piles of lumber and right. <laughs> and dirt and concrete and uh you know it it was it but when i look at it now i don't know uh if you've been back out there i have not you should, not since the build day that you, we were there. Sh you should go and see it's um pretty amazing the houses are just i think they're some of the best houses we've ever built that's great um, and uh the families are marvelous they are just absolutely uh, wonderful families and um, they're so excited about their houses and i loved it at the home dedication uh, one of the family's sons was sliding down the steps you remember doing that when you were a kid if you had a house with steps in it you know you slid on your bum down the stairs right. and, and he was just laughing hysterically and sliding down the steps and i thought well that's what it's all about well, that's you know? great that's yeah. rewarding right there it was it was great it was great yeah, I when we came out for the build day, I really had no idea what to expect, <laughs> and um, we I think we had uh, roughly ten people from our office, and there were a right. few other folks right. from you know I think a couple of Cal Poly uh -huh. folks, and and it was it was great, and of course a couple of the the um, future homeowners were there as mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. and we got a chance to meet them and hear about their stories, and it was just a a wonderful experience. Um, I thought it was a it was great. Uh, 
it was challenging to move around and, and do some of those. I mean, when's the last time you swung a hammer for eight hours? Well, it's been a while. It, it is so funny you say that. We were sort of keeping a tap on the volunteers because we had brand new volunteers this year. A lot, and 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 the situation was even more interesting because there was one house that was being built by contractors for free. So you have volunteers on two houses and contractors on another house, and and it made an interesting paradigm. And and the one thing I noticed is by two o'clock. We had volunteers that were prone, you know, on the ground <laughs> because, yeah, eight hours of swinging a hammer. It, you know, everybody goes, wow, I'm going to go out and do habitat. And then when they get there, they find out exactly what that translates into. It is an active construction site. It is active construction work. And if I remember, you guys were out there for framing. Yes. Yes. And yeah. that's a whole other can Lifting of worms. Lifting up plywood. It is. Yeah, it we is. were sheeting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then one of the one of the homes was still doing interior wall framing. That's right. And so it's you know it when and and uh, you know we love we love having our volunteers out there and we try to structure. Um, the jobs that they do so that folks that are not quite so comfortable or in not in good shape. You guys are in great shape. Oh, so. yeah. We brought no, our, no our no excuses most here. <laughs> desk jockeys out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, I think actually one somebody from your staff was with me throwing wood one day. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. We we moved some piles yeah. of wood. I and, think. and he looked at me and said, this is this is not fun. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not. It's not fun. <laughs> it's not. It's not always fun. But, you know, the point is when you look at the families, like you pointed out and, uh, you know, having um, there, there was one of the women who had obviously never done anything like this. And she was in tears pretty much the first week. But then we gave her a drill and it was like and then next thing I know she's working on a power saw and we can't get her away from it and and what really changed was her attitude of oh my gosh I have no idea of what I'm doing to I can really do this and you know we respected her request not to go up ladders she wasn't good at heights and that's fine she stood and held the ladders for everybody and she still felt like she was contributing um, the 500 hours is daunting um, because it has to be all construction time and it has to be by the couple that are buying the house. And that's a huge commitment. Some of them, you know, they compromised on their work schedules right. and everything else so they could get the 500 hours in. But I know for a fact that those families exceeded 600 hours out there. Oh, and, wow. uh, you know, when we were painting doors the day before the home dedication, there's the families, you know, sitting there painting with us. And uh, um, they have a strong sense of ownership and as soon as we gave them the keys last week it was yep my house this is my house and it's and that's what we want that's what we want them doing you know now one of the family members wants to paint his door blue something to do with looking like something to do with Doctor Who um, the BBC <laughs> I have no idea I just told him he can't do it until we get the you know certificate of occupancy then he can paint his door whatever color he wants but until then the city is expecting it to be green so uh, you know it's but it's fun to hear them planning and and thinking about what they can do with that home it's got to be motivating while working on the job as well to see them you know putting their literal sweat equity into the project and empowering them to do things they normally wouldn't do and so all those things are amazing I, it is and you know I, I i saw one of the women um and she's sitting here cocking a door and she's talking to her husband going you didn't cock this right you know you need <laughs> and it's you know that that's fun another homeowner um he works uh he runs events the sound system for events here in the county so he's wired his own house 
Oh, nice. You know, he bought the, the wire and everything else and worked with us, and we worked with the city, and now his house is uber wired for surround sound. I mean, you know, and, and he did that himself. We didn't help him. Right. You know, it's so when you have that kind of buy-in, you know, this is going to be mine. Right. And, and you start fixing it so it's yours. Um, right. I think that's that's amazing. That's exactly what we want them to be doing. So I'm glad you got to go out there. It was fun. I was I was laughing at you all, I admit it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> at your lunch break. It was as I see people coming down going, uh <laughs> forearms need a break. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I Julie, do. what I want to know is the next time we go out for, for mm -hmm. the next build project, mm -hmm. um, am I allowed to bring my pneumatic nailer? Yes. Really? Yeah. See, he, there there are all these little rules. You know, if if we have a volunteer who knows how to use one of those, that's fine. The problem is if you have a nail gun out there and you've got a bunch of volunteers who don't know what they're doing. And the first thing they're going to want to do, the guys always want to pick it up, mm -hmm. right? And there were a couple instances out there where I saw some nails going places that I wasn't real comfortable <laughs> with them going. We have to have a little so, OK Corral-style shootout yeah, before we really get <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it's, you know, Habitat is, is very, very serious about safety rules. And so I'm sure you heard out there, you know, nobody was allowed on the second-story roof um, unless you were a certified roofer. Right. Um, and there's a lot of reasons reasons for that but um, yeah it's that's the other thing is that you know there's so much enthusiasm by the volunteers and the contractors who were out there that to say to them I'm sorry no you've got to go put your safety harness on when these contractors they tap dance across the roofs I can't believe what they do but but you know when they're on a habitat site no no you got to put your harness your safety harness you on. may want to have Dan do some type of demonstration to, to at least qualify you before you, you get that nail gun out there. <laughs> yeah. There's got to be some kind of <laughs> Some kind of testing. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we can do that. Maybe I'll, we can go out to a shooting range. Yeah. Can... Like a target. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like a target. Right. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> so it's, you know, and the next build is up in Paso. And when does that build? Well, out? you know, it's funny. You're talking about the government. Well, not so funny, but the government, government shutdown course HUD is shut down and I was <clears throat> at a meeting on Thursday morning and hearing that with HUD shut down you know a lot of the nonprofits that do the kind of work we do in this county have grants that come through the county but they're federal through sure. HUD and uh, you know we need those stipends to pay and you get paid as you go along and uh, you're like, hmm. you know there's stuff in the queue to be paid then these nonprofits are not getting paid and I'm not sure what the county's going to do about that because we're very reliant on the cash. So long story short, with you know cuts in in federal funding, cuts in state funding, the state um, piece of legislation that we were hoping would pass mm -hmm. recently, and it's it ha it's not like it hasn't been passed, but it's on a delay um, that would fund affordable housing. Um, you know, I, I I wouldn't see us breaking ground at least for a year um, because that's at least a 1.75 million dollar build. Um, because it's 10 houses. So so is the year delay be because of this? Because, I mean, we're anticipating maybe two weeks of shutdown. I well, mean, it's, you know, I just brought that up as an example because I, I hadn't realized that's what some of the ramifications were. But um, the problem is that you, we can only apply the biggest source of funds for what we do is government funds, whether it's state, local, federal. And with uh, the Congress cutting budget, 
and with new rules at HUD and their funds being cut, Cal Home, which was the big source of funding, is gone in this state. Um, so suddenly I'm going, okay, where am I going to get $1.75 million? And what I think is going to happen is that we're going to be building in increments. So if we can get right. about $600,000, we can do all the site improvements. This, this lot <laughs> is flat. Um, so you won't be, you know. Yeah, that lot uh, up there mm -hmm. was, was challenging. It kind of had a valley in the middle. Yeah, and I, yeah. I got stuck on landscape detail there for a minute. <laughs> I think I had to remove a stump first thing in the morning <laughs> <clears throat> and tra traverse this little, like, dry creek uh -huh. valley thing uh -huh. and oh man that was it's it's a it was a tough lot a flat it, lot sounds real appealing it, it, and it's wide <laughs> it's very wide so um yeah that the rockview lot had an 11 percent slope before you and and that was part of the reason we took the garages out because we would have there's one retaining wall in there right now there would have been three or four and it would just been you know very expensive and and a lot of work um but you know i i think if we can get if we can get that, the six hundred thousand dollars to you know about that, to uh, we can at least get the site improvements done, the driveways in, and have the lots ready to go. Each house costs us about sixty thousand dollars. That's not that much. And the HBA, God bless the HBA, um, they saved us over a hundred and fifty thousand dollars on this build by going to their members. We had they had members coming from Los Angeles and Fresno and everywhere in between to help out with that build. Um, I don't know if you know, but the roofs went on for free, all three houses. Every part of it, not just the materials, but the installation, the vents, wow. all of that went in for free, for example. All the plumbing, on site plumbing was done for free by their members. So there's a lot of things. And the granite countertops. You missed the granite that, Oh yeah. That we didn't was, get to see any of the finishes. We don't put granite countertops in our houses but well, I was at an HBA me meeting and mentioned Formica countertops and um, uh, a lady from Pacific Shores Granite came up and said mm -hmm. no 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 you can't put in Formica we just forbid you and they <laughs> the granite was free the installation was free That's so uh, you know we have granite countertops in our houses <laughs> but wow. um you know it, it's about sixty thousand dollars and the HBA is, has committed to one house of the 10 so that's a huge to actually build it out to build it out and do it all and that's huge um but you know the fees the permits and fees up in paso are are about four hundred and twenty thousand dollars right off the bat wow so we're uh, you know we're negotiating with the city trying you know trying to work with them to see if we can get the fees or the majority of them drop that would that's a third of the budget sure um so, you know, it's but it's going to take some time as I'm watching things tighten up from a funding standpoint. And we have some corporations here, but we don't have a lot. And usually the average, you know, grant from a corporation is between five and ten thousand dollars. And that, you know, so we've got our work cut out for us. We're looking at everything. Uh, what I'm trying to not do uh, and I and I don't think we will do is to get any kind of a loan. You know, we, we cash and carry. We're a cash and carry group. I don't want us, you know, going into debt. So, and we're not at the moment, so that's good. <laughs> well, let's uh, step away here just for a quick commercial break, and then we'll, um, just after a couple minutes, got to thank our sponsors here. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about the project that's going on in Paso, maybe some of the mm -hmm. difficulties you're facing and going to overcome um, with government issues, and we'll <laughs> we'll dive a little deeper into that. But... Uh, let's thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. 
Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. When it comes to your mortgage, do you pay points or do you take the no-cost loan? Don't let your loan officer or banker choose for you. At Central Coast Lending, we help you decide. Numbers don't lie. We teach you to do the math so you can cut through the salesmanship and get the best loan for you. Because we can't be beat, we'll even teach you how to shop and compare other offers. We don't charge upfront fees, and we value every client. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right. Sorry about that abrupt break in the action there. We need to do a little bit of the the business side of the show here. We do have some wonderful sponsors that help make the show possible every week. Um, and we got to give them their time too. So thanks for sticking with us. We are here with Julia Ogden, CEO of the local Habitat for Humanity. Um, just completed a fantastic project up on Rockview Place, mm -hmm. I believe. That's Rockview right. Place in San Luis Obispo. And... Um, starting to talk about future project up in Paso Robles, which is going to be 10 units. That's correct. And um, followed by eight units in Arroyo Grande. And is that, so the Paso project you think is about a year out and Arroyo Grande is about how long? A couple of years. A couple okay. of years for Arroyo Grande. That's great. Yeah. Now I'm curious, there's been a lot of talk in the newspaper um, with the County Board of Supervisors about Paso water mm -hmm. um, and how that will impact building. Is that... Because you guys have already had this project in the works, is that impacting you at all, or is there going to be some We haven't issue? heard anything from them on that. Um, uh, I think there's a possibility they may something say something about that. But they, um, they provided us the funds to buy the land. So, and every um, 
incorporate, you know, the county as well as the incorporated cities in the state have a quota of affordable housing they're supposed to be providing every year, and and we are woefully behind on that uh, for a lot of reasons, you know, no no blame here, but there's a lot of reasons on why that's happening. So generally, um, you know, the cities fight for us uh, to get that in because they know there's a, a real need in this county for affordable housing, and they want us to go forward. And, you know, that really happened in Arroyo Grande. Um, The property there was funded with their RDA money. And when the RDAs went away, there was a chance we could have lost that property, but the the city went to bat for us, and we were able to keep it. The uh, state recognized it as an enforceable obligation, and uh, there we are. Um, oh, wow. And uh, that one is uh, Grover Beach that you're showing there. Sorry. <laughs> um, um, you know, they really went to bat with us with the state. And um, so we have that project. We've started. We've got uh, preliminary renderings to the city in Arroyo Grande. So we're moving forward with that. Um, at this point, we're looking for funding. We need to hire a civil engineer in Paso um, to finish up the conceptual drawings because originally that site was scheduled to only have five houses. And uh, then we went, no, 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 we got more property here. We can put 10 in. So uh, we have to go back in and, uh, you know, have the, the planning commission approve the 10 house drawings. So now you touched on the issue of need for affordable housing units in our county. It's my understanding that I, I don't know that it's it was too long ago that the county started mandating a certain percentage. It, it was either 10 or 20 percent um, of any development project to be allocated for affordable units, mm-hmm. affordable mm-hmm. housing units. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that help meet the need for the affordable housing? Well, um, it's 20 percent. 20 percent. It's 20 percent. Okay. Um, no, um, it's, it's interesting um, that uh, they provide an either or. You can build the affordable housing, or you can pay an in-lieu fee. Um, and the fee amount right right now with the county, uh, it's it's much higher with the city of Slow. But for the county, it's a it's a low it's a low fee. So for a thousand square foot affordable house, you'd pay about seven hundred dollars in fee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, you know when that when that ordinance was passed. Um, you know, there was a five-year phase in where the fee went up every year. But when the cons- you know construction industry, development industry tanked out here, how can you increase a fee when there's nobody building? Um, so the Board of Supervisors, I believe in November, is going to be looking at raising that fee. Um, but, you know, one of the questions that has come up is that the fee is low enough, it's not going to pay for an entire development of low, you know, of affordable housing. And no, it's not. Um, and I, I would hope that at some point down the road, that's something that not just the Board of Supervisors, but all the cities would take a look at, you know, because with the Cal Home funds gone and federal funding being cut, we need to find a source um, to provide affordable housing. We don't have much in this county, uh, very little. And it isn't just the families we serve, but also for seniors. Um, you know, there are a lot of people going without. We get a lot of phone calls from seniors wanting to know if our houses, you know, uh, 
we can sell them to seniors and we generally don't and a lot of them are living in in pretty tough circumstances um but um what that fee does do even though it's low is that we benefited from that we got twenty seven thousand dollars from the county well twenty seven thousand dollars is you know like the stucco on the houses or the roofs on the houses so you know even if it's not going to build an entire house it helps us leverage the funds we've got um, to be able to either get more funding in or to get stuff done. You know, it, it's just, um, you know, I, I know that Haslow and Peoples also, we count every dollar we've got. You know, every dollar comes in as a blessing and we just run with it as much as we can. So I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth and say, oh, no, that's not enough money. I'm just going to say thank you very much and, and, and we really appreciate it. But... At the same time, it seems like the count with a seven hundred dollar fee seems like they're not very serious about affordable housing because I've seen some of the metrics for what qualifies as affordable mm-hmm. based on income levels, and we're talking about a couple hundred thousand dollar reduction to what the normal sales price of that home would be. Well, certainly for our houses, that's true. For the ones I mean, in our area, yeah. so I mean, to to be able to pay a couple hundred seven hundred bucks to get out of that to be able to well. But you know, I, I know it's a I know yeah. it's a difficult issue because builders <laughs> it, it poses a, a great challenge for builders when you have to include an affordable unit because they sell it way under market and sometimes even less than what it costs to build. Well, but you know, here's the other they do have to take into you know I mean as an affordable housing builder I'm going yeah 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 you know increase the fee, but there's the reality of what the contractors are experiencing right now and even though housing is increasing you know building homes is increasing it's not a lot. And, um, but I will, I will also say in defense of the county, they are, um, the, the, the county staff that are in charge of this are advocating that the fee be increased. And, um, we have, um, voiced our opinion that it should go up to the three-year level. It was a five-year implementation with the fee increasing every year, and they've had it at year one for a while. And so, with buildings starting again, we, we advocated that it go up to year three. It's not that large of an increase. Um, and so I don't know what the Board of su- Supervisors are going to do, but, um, you know, that's that's where we fell out on it. Now, I'm curious with, with all of the government shutdown issues that have been in the news, <clears throat> we start to get into this debate about essential services Mm -hmm. with the government and Mm -hmm. you had mentioned off the air that about 50 percent of your funding comes from federal funds Mm -hmm. um for building for building i've got to imagine that that these funds get talked about as debated about whether they're essential or not do you do you run into that issue we do and habitat international um a few years ago when the first cuts came through for shop funds which is funding to pay for uh infrastructure site development fees. And, and a lot of habitats were very uh, reliant on those fees to get that front end work done. We've never gotten shop fees, but when that cut happened, uh, Habitat International went, whoa, we've got to have a voice in this because um, this is happening to us and we need to, you know, say something. We need to step up. So they've opened a lobbying arm in Washington, D.C., and um, they have an annual event, which I've been to, called Habitat on the Hill, where we go and meet 
you know, legislators and talk about what we want. There is a law, um, the affiliates in California created um, uh, Habitat California, and we also have a lobbying firm up there. When the RDAs went away, we had the same realization. You know, we need to start getting our voice out there about what needs to happen. So we've been pretty active up in Sacramento, um, and I spend a lot of time here, you know, talking with our local representatives and trying to get, you know, most of them know about affordable housing. I have the luxury of only representing one group. You know, they've got a broad base of constituents to consider in their views. But, um, you know, we're, we're stepping it up um, because it's what I heard uh, some people saying this last week is that maybe the focus should be on rehab, which is our Brush with Kindness program, as far uh, instead of new construction. Um, and I would, I would kind of hate to see that happen. You, you saw the houses, you saw the families. Sure. Um, I would prefer to see the houses go up. Yeah. And, and we did see the families really put a lot of time and energy and, and heart into those builds and, and they're going to really have a lot of pride in that home when they take ownership and start raising their families and building their lives there. So I do think that is an important component. And you'll be back. Uh, we will. I will. Yeah. Now that <laughs> I know I can bring more of my tools. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, folks, we're getting pretty close to that uh, top of the hour break. Um, as much as I love talking to Jason and Julia here, we also want to hear from you. Uh, your questions and comments really make the show take off. So if you'd like to participate in today's show, if you have a question or comment for Julia about Habitat for Humanity, give us a call after this break at 543-8830, 543-8830. In uh, a short five minutes, we'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. halfway through this edition of Mortgage Matters. For those of you just tuning in, I am Dan Podesto, here with my partner in crime today, Jason Van Dyke, replacing the other Jason while he's off doing whatever he's doing, enjoying a nice relaxing weekend. Um, we're joined here live in the studio with Julia Ogden, CEO of Habitat for Humanity. <coughs> Had a wonderful conversation so far, talking about a couple of projects. One in San Luis Obispo has just completed a couple of future projects in Paso Robles and Arroyo Grande. Um, we're going to dive right back into conversation really quickly, though. Just want to let you know that it is such a beautiful, warm, sunny weekend right now. Beautiful day. Um, if you're looking for something to do, the Harbor Festival is happening out in Morro Bay. Um, I live out in Morro Bay, so I can give you the weather report real quick. I don't ever trust Dave Hovde. That guy, I don't know where his thermometer is, but he thinks it's really cold out there all the time. Dave, if you're listening, I've got beef with you <laughs> for so misreporting our weather. What's the Harbor Festival all about? Harbor give Festival us, us an idea of what is, to expect out there. it's like the 32nd annual Harbor Festival. It's a celebration of our waterfront. Um, Morro Bay, as you know, is a 
uh, old fishing village um, community. Um, that really that's that's what we're celebrating is that fishing heritage and and the waterfront that we have and there's a lot of history in Morro Bay um I love going into some of the establishments with the old pictures of Morro Bay Morro Bay's changed a lot over the last 60 70 years um you know even just the the way you get out to the rock is is relatively new it right used to have more of a a north entrance into the the bay but they changed that because of the submarines in World War II having a nice direct shot into the harbor where the boats were were parked there. So, a um, lot of lot of interesting history out in Morro Bay. So it's really just a celebration of the waterfront. It's a two or three day affair. I, it might have started yesterday, um, but today's today's really the big kickoff. There's a lot happening out there. I think it attracts something like ten thousand people out to Morro Bay. Wow! And the weather is just amazing out there. Is like in the mid seventies already. Um, so if you're looking for something to do, I highly recommend that. Um, we had somebody contact the office for our brush with kindness program, which I can tell you about, but, uh, she has a houseboat and the deck was leaking. And so she wanted to know if we'd come out and repair her deck. I had no, that, that went through me. I mean, normally we get people, we get people in existing homes or mobile homes, but a houseboat. So you may see a repair on a Habitat houseboat. Can we get signed up for that project? <laughs> well, it has <laughs> it has the same income limitations as our as as we uh, have for people who buy our homes. So it's uh, strictly for very low and low income. So sure, if you you know. <laughs> when you find that income qualified person, I think what Jason was saying is he's signing up for barnacle scraping duty. Uh, uh, we'll just hook him up with the scuba gear, and uh-huh. you can get on down there and <laughs> have some fun. No, that whole area is, is a pretty <laughs> awesome place. That whole Embarcadero in Morro Bay is a lot of fun. So it's uh, we, my family spends a lot of time down there, and it's uh, it's it's a great place for sure. Um, let's see here. So we were having a wonderful conversation, um, and I'd like to kind of pick up on the affordable housing um, issue because that is a big issue, and I think very relevant to our show here um, about real estate in our local area, and. You know, one of the the projects that we're working on at our company right now is um, partnering with local businesses and, and industries. We're working with the Slow Economic Vitality Corporation to get the word out that that there are ways to buy homes here, um, that even though prices here are high um, and, you know, the perception is that it's, it's a really unaffordable area that we we you know as a lender try to make it try to bring the opportunity of home ownership to as many people as we possibly can and dispel some of the myths about the affordability in the area but you know we can only go so far um you know homes are still valued pretty high here compared to other areas of California and so that's where the mandates for affordable housing come in and, and we're having trouble meeting those requirements. Well, and, and, you know, there's a significant proportion of the population here that are making thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year and have families. And the reality is even the homes you're talking about, which might be, um, you know, okay for workforce housing, you know, 60 to 80% of the uh, median income for the county. It's that other strata that's really struggling because we don't have very many apartments. 
Um, and even the small bungalow houses are going for $300,000. Uh, we sell our houses so the families can afford them between one hundred and fifteen and one hundred and forty thousand um, dollars, you know they're at a substantial discount. They're zero interest mortgages. The houses appraised out appraised out at three hundred eighty thousand wow. dollars. Now, you know, just so your audience knows, they sign a lot of papers with us, so they can't flip the houses. It's very very difficult for any family who buys a habitat house to flip it. There are a whole lot of repercussions that happen um, if they try to do that. So, uh, and we retain the right of first refusal so that we could move another low-income family into the house should they should they decide to sell it but there just isn't you know that there just isn't that resource and one of the things we're also trying to do besides build the new houses which is getting more and more difficult habitat is not allowed no affiliate is allowed to build rental units so we're you're not going to see us building apartments but what we're also trying to do is go into low-income neighborhoods where the homes are owned by low-income homeowners but they're barely getting by. You know, they've got a fixed income. They're making their mortgage payment. They're making their insurance payment. They're paying their taxes, but they can't maintain the homes. And so we've kicked off. We kicked off a program earlier this year called Brush with Kindness to go in and help those families with minor maintenance. Um, repairs, landscaping. We get a lot of landscaping requests. Um, you know, for bigger issues, we're, we're, we're going to cap slow and turning the bigger issues, the weatherization, the furnace, furnaces that don't work, um, those sorts of things over to them because they have a program in place to take care of that. And, you know, it's been very interesting what we're finding. The majority of the, of the um, homeowners that are applying for the program and they have to meet the same low-income standards that we apply for, to families that, you know, that we select to buy our homes um, is that it's senior women that are on their own and no longer have a husband or maybe never had a husband and just simply cannot maintain, for the most part, the exteriors of their homes. And um, one of the ladies that uh, we're working with, you know, she's, she's never turned her furnace on in her house because she can't afford the gas bill. And so we're trying to figure out what to do about that. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually feeling really good about um, helping that particular demographic. I think there are a lot of reports out right now about senior women and what happens to them, you know, if they don't have a spouse or their spouse is passed on and how these women, do, you know, are doing. We've had women calling the office and we find they're living on cat food. You know, it's, it's really tragic here in the county. I, I think that population gets masked a lot. You know, they're not very vocal. You don't necessarily know they're there. Sometimes the outside of their house looks really good, and then you walk inside and you find something else. And um, I think that's an important part of what Habitat can do. Uh, I think that, you know, we, we keep the program narrow. It is strictly repair. See, you might be able to bring your gun out sooner than you think if you'd want to come and do a Brush with Kindness project. Nail, nail gun. Nail, nail gun. gun. Yeah, nail please. gun. That's, Excuse me. Let's <laughs> clarify. Sorry. I sorry. don't think that's the right way to address the problem. Yeah, but, uh, okay, can, this is the exhaustion from the, the, the pseudo-construction manager. But... Um, We've got three projects in the pipeline right now that, you know, they're, um, one of the ladies is very, very ill. She has leukemia and, you know, there's, there's work to be done there. Um, you're big and strong. 
Um, there's one we have to replace an entire retaining wall made out of uh, railroad ties that's collapsing into our yard. So <laughs> we'll be looking for vol. Now that this build, the Rockview build, is done, we're looking for volunteers to go out and do that. And it's it's the same. I think you get the same kind of gratification. It's just that you don't see little bobbins running around. You know, they're the they're older women who are still very very grateful and having a very difficult time. Um, so, you know, that in my, you know, we were talking about affordable housing, but Brush With Kindness is keeping those women, those families in their homes so there isn't that turnover or the houses don't deteriorate to the point that they're not livable anymore. And I think that's equally as important. Um, and you said that Brush With Kindness, it's the same income qualification standard. Same, same income qualifications. They have to prove that they own the house, you know, show us a property tax receipt, you know, that they have insurance on the house because we want to make sure that they're insured also. Um, but yes, we ask for an income statement and a tax return, the most recent tax return. Is there still an expectation for the, the sweat equity type of participation? Because I have a hard time um, expecting yeah. to see the elderly <laughs> Come women. Come on, Grandma, pick <laughs> yeah. up the shovel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, there is, but it gets modified. It may be that they provide us water. You know, they come out and give us water. Nice. Um, bake some cookies. Bake some cookies. Cool. You know, let us use their bathrooms, those <laughs> sorts of things, you know. Be, um, and uh, and that's worked out really well. Um, our first project was in a Tascadero, and uh, the lady who we were helping uh, was in a wheelchair. And um, so, she, you know, there's your point. You know, what could she do? Well, she was out there with water, and she mm -hmm. was, you know. And even if they turn into the cheering section, you know, um, that's great because all the volunteers really want to do is sort of touch the people that they're helping. And um, in that case, we we went out and uh, we were helping this woman. She lived in a mobile home park and had gotten a warning from the property manager because she hadn't been able to rake up the leaves in her yard. And she was facing a fine. And, and so we went out there and it started out with raking up her yard. Three days <laughs> later... <laughs> <laughs> and this all happened because the volunteers got so connected with this woman. You know, her whole yard is landscaped. I mean, it, we, we took at least five loads of stuff out to the dump um, because she simply couldn't get out there. You know, she, she can't. You know, she's, she's got a ramp to get in and out of her mobile home, and that's it. And every time we go into these homes, it's, it's kind of the same story over and over again. You know, it's not horrid but they're facing some kind of a crisis. So um, it's, it's um, and in some ways these women break my hearts in the way the families don't. And uh, I think it's maybe their age um, and um, how grateful they are, how alone they are. Right. Um, There's a lot of factors there. The ability to be able to take care of themselves yeah. is limited. And so anytime you see that, that's uh, it's uh, it's nice to be able to help out. So well, if there if there are professionals in the area that want to help out with donating landscaping and donating things like that, how, what what do they do to get in contact with they, you? They they can call the office and ask for me right now. Our volunteer coordinator is out on maternity leave, so my construction manager's gone. My volunteer coordinator is out right now, um, so just ask to talk to me because we do have three pending projects. Um, mm -hmm that need to be taken care of. Um, uh, and one is in Cambria, 
and two are in Paso. So um, knowing we're probably talking to predominantly a slow audience, there's a little bit of travel involved, but we hope that uh, you'll consider that. We provide all the materials and all the tools. Um, oh, that's great. So, um, all so they're you just giving their time and their that's expertise. It. And that's it. Like you said, there's it's a, it's a problem that gets glossed over, and I, I think a lot of people probably don't know that there's a, an opportunity for them to maybe give back. And so it's, it's a great platform to be able to talk about it here. And, and if there's, you know, business owners out there that want to, to devote some time and, and energy towards helping, then that they should be able to and, have an opportunity to do that. So that's and great. This, and this keeps us busy. It keeps right. Habitat out there doing what we do while we're waiting to get the money for Absolutely. the other builds, you know. And it's, um, I will say, you know, you, we, we were laughing about how hard it is working um, on the build sites for the houses. It's not any less rigorous um, in the house in Cambria because uh, the lady has leukemia. We can't use chemicals to kill the grass in her yard. <laughs> so you know what that means. It's shovels and digging it out. And right. it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's just one of those one of those things. Um, well, a lot of people pay 50 bucks a month to go to the gym. Here you get the satisfaction <laughs> of helping someone and a free workout. Yeah. And, 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 uh, really a win-win. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and it's, um, they, like I said, they're all lovely people. They're all lovely people. I have yet to meet, uh, any of the, the, uh, women that have been approved for the program. They're all just amazingly grateful and sweet ladies. Um, so in addition to donating money mm-hmm. or if you're wealthy landowner and want to donate some land that's another opportunity mm-hmm. can donate your your time and labor um, you also have the restores right Our restores yes that and the restores provide you know we've talked about funding for the builds the restricted funding that is strictly for building the houses or for a brush with kindness um, you know the operations of habitat are paid for by money that comes in from the restores predominantly. Um, And that allows us to go out and do our work. You know, I have to have staff to do the work. And the restores are a huge part of what we do. So if you are remodeling your house um, or, you know, we have a lot of great donors like Miners and Lowe's and Home Depot that bring discontinued items to the stores. Um, There's a lot of new stuff in there. Um, and the store in Paso seems to be getting a lot of antiques lately, which is great because <laughs> we can sell them. You know, they, they, they bring in a pretty pricey, you know, good. Grandma good, likes yeah. antiques. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, someone passes and the family brings the antiques to the store. And it's sure. great. You know, it's great for us. And uh, um, so it's not just... In either store, when you walk in, you're not just going to find construction materials, you know, the pipes and the hammers and the nails and the windows. You know, we have lots of tile. We get a lot of tile. Miners gives us their mistinted paint. So if you're doing a small painting job, you know, there it is. Um, I mentioned the antiques. It's I Somebody brought us in seven bags of golf clubs up to the Paso store, <laughs> and we sold them all. So it's, you know, it's, it's very interesting. I think the only thing that we have... Uh, we, we have to turn away, of course, our mattresses and springs, any kind of furniture that's puffy. It's so like couches and things yeah, aren't good. Yeah, we don't, no, we, you know, there are health cold issues sure. with that. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've seen some handmade tables that have come into the Paso store, mostly in the Paso store, um, that are absolutely gorgeous. You know, people who do woodworking who just suddenly decide. Um, and we actually got a painting in. 
Um, and uh, I apologize, I can't think of the gentleman's name right now, but he's a very well-known artist in the county. And it's a it, somebody brought it in. The painting's worth about five hundred dollars, and so we're we're trying to sell that, you know, probably online. But it's um, the stores are serious contributors. They keep our doors open. They make sure that we can keep building. Um, and we're always looking for volunteers at the ReStore, too. And, and I have to say, though, um, you know, we do need cashiers and, and people who price. And we have one uh, little lady who comes in. She's an amazing locksmith. She's like 80-something. <laughs> and she rekeys all the locks we get. She does a great job, you know. Um, but the work in the ReStore isn't a whole lot different than the work on the build sites, it's, you know, when things come in, when the toilets come in, when the windows come in, when the doors come in, they have to be cleaned and, and, and priced and set out for sale. And it is, it, it is labor intensive. But if you like that, you know, if you're just okay with spending four hours, you know, mm-hmm. once or twice a month just going in there and helping us get stuff out. Um, the store here in the south is in need of some strong volunteers. We're having to reconfigure the store to increase our intake bay area because we're getting so many donations in. That's a good problem. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> uh, and, and so the donations are spilling out into the parking lot. Um, but, it, you know, we're moving very large displays. So if anybody is out there and is feeling motivated to moving the big displays and the uh, inventory that's in there, we're having to reconfigure one whole part of the store. We would love to have you come in. It's it's uh, it's taking us longer than we'd like um, because of, of the work that needs to go into that. How can people find out more information? Is there a website? You had also mentioned a Facebook page. um, We do have a Facebook page. um, And on the Facebook page, if you want to see the Rockview houses, you can. And the families, the pictures of the families are on there. Um, And we also have a website. Um, I think the best way, rather than running through the whole name, is just to Google Habitat for Humanity for San Luis Obispo County. And it'll pop you up on our webpage. Okay. Um, it's, It's kind of a long... Yeah, make make sure you search specifically for the San Luis Obispo County because there's a lot It'll of Habitat for Humanity. Kick you and and there's information on the restores there if you want to go. Um, the store here in Slow is open Tuesdays through Sunday, and the store up in Paso is open Mondays through Saturday. That's great. Yeah. Well, Julia, we always enjoy you stopping by and sharing what's going on with Habitat for Humanity. Thank you. Um, we really enjoyed um, you know our day out at the Rockview Place site. It was. <laughs> As much work as it was, it was very rewarding for everyone in our office. I know that um, you know some folks could only stay for a few hours. Some mm-hmm. of us stayed the whole day, but everyone got a lot from it. So um, you do great work, and we really thank appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. what you guys thank did. Thank you so appreciate much. It. I like talking with you guys. You're fun. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> That's what we try to do. Mission accomplished. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to take a quick commercial break as we bid Julia adieu, and we'll be back to talk a little bit more about some of the news and happenings of the past week, so do stick with us on Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. 
Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Saying that all mortgage lenders are the same is like saying all restaurants are the same. We all know that fast food isn't the same quality as Five Star, and there are a lot of fast food lenders out there. But what if you could get five-star quality at fast food prices? At Central Coast Lending, that's exactly what you get. Expert advice at the best possible price. If you're looking to buy a home or refinance, before you sign, let Central Coast Lending take a look at your loan. Call us today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your host, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Across the bay, a lady waits to hold me tight. And my boat and I are ready to set sail. If the weather keeps on holding and the wind is right, I'll be wrapped up in my sweet one's arms tonight And we will sail away On the wings of love into the night Cast out our fortunes on the sea Wow, I'm feeling good now. No kidding. So, Harbor Fest, sailing <laughs> into the bay there. Talking about that earlier. Never, never cease to amaze me, Jim. Just you're so tuned into what we're talking about. Thank you. I love it. All right, folks. We just had a great time here with Julia Ogden of Habitat for Humanity. Um, they, Julia and her group, they do great work around the county. We're proud to um, work with them when the opportunities present themselves, and uh, look forward to future projects as well. The need for affordable housing in our community is is definitely great, and and what they contribute is very important, so we're, we're happy to be a part of it when we can. Um, let's see here. We're going to shift gears now, though, and kind of get back more into the newsy side of things. Got about a half hour left with you. Um, let's see. A little bit of, of data, I guess, that we can go out. Just you know, Let's shift more into the real estate side of things. Um, I also have some numbers about mortgage now. As the mortgage market's really transitioning, um, so I wanted to share a couple of thoughts with you there as well and kind of get your take, Jason, on, on some of these things. First, real quickly, though, um, we've had no shortage of headlines the last 
probably 12 months or so about home prices. And home prices um, continue to be the shining star of the economy. Um, both the July and August year-over-year numbers for home prices uh, showed over 12% increases. Um, Nationally, we are sitting just 17% below the peak price from 2006. Um, So we've really recovered a lot of the, the, the value in our real estate holdings as a, as a country. Um, a lot faster than I think a lot of people had anticipated. I, for one, did not expect to see double-digit home price appreciation this quickly after such a major um, downturn in the housing market. And a lot of people really felt that housing was probably overvalued in 2006, but here we are just not far off from those levels. Um, I think it's it's probably not likely that we're going to see this type of appreciation continue as um, rates, mortgage rates start to rise. I mean, even though we're holding off on tapering and rates are remaining at historic lows, um, they are moving higher and we're seeing a bit of the buying frenzy slow down um, here locally. But I was, you know, before we even started the show today, Jason and I were talking out front of the building and, and I was sharing with him a couple of stories. Um, and my aunt uh, in Sacramento just completed, we actually just funded her loan um, on Friday. She had a very, very difficult time finding a home. I mean, she could find homes, but getting an accepted offer in the Sacramento area was very challenging. Sure. Minimum 15 people showing up f- to make an offer on, on any home that they were interested in. Which obviously drives up the price I means simple supply and demand. There. Definitely. And the strategy still in the Sacramento area, at least to, for her experience, was um, under or list the home under value and create a bidding war. Right. And it was bringing 15 plus people to every every listing and it was you know submit your offers by this time on this date and you know we'll get back to the top three for one more opportunity to refresh their their offer price and so that was the environment that she was coming from in the sacramento area also uh down in san diego my my cousin um, who got married this past weekend his new wife uh her parents are moving down to the sacramento or to the san diego area similar kind of problem they have been looking for i want to say about 12 months um with no luck they just keep getting beat out cash offers prices you know offers just at higher price levels than they thought the home was worth um it looks like they might be in the lead on a on an offer now but it's taken 12 months to find a home um, and get an accepted offer so it seems like the frenzy is still pretty strong um, in the bigger metro areas, right. whereas here in our local area, um, we're seeing it die down a little bit. We we were at the peak, you know, about 12, 6 to 12 months ago, seeing 10, 12, 15 people um, for every new home listed making offers. Now I think we're down three, four. Some of the newer listings are even coming on a little higher, little aggressive on price. Sure. You're starting to see offers that aren't quite. Yeah. That aren't full price. Sure. So the market's definitely changing right now. 
Um, and so I think you're going to see as this market continues to change, as rates start to or continue to, to move higher, as new homes come on the market at higher price levels, anticipating appreciation, that we're probably going to see this ap appreciation ease down into the single digits, probably uh, get down more to a normal like 5% annual rate. And anytime you see the types of values that we saw uh, in, even in our local area, I mean, that the, they were discounted steeply. And I think people recognize that. I think a lot of investors came back into the market there were, we did a lot of loans for uh, for people that just realized that it's a great opportunity to own property in this area at that price. And the numbers were penciling out as far as a cash flow analysis was was uh, was looking, um, and and as well as the rates being lower. So as they've gone up over the last uh, you know three or four months, I think some of that affordability and how those uh, cash flow penciled out maybe uh, maybe has slowed things a little bit as well. Some of the I, I read an article from the LA Times um, this week, and it was about this issue and and what's motivating people to continue in this market, even right. with higher rates and higher prices, and that decreased affordability from the the lows that we saw just about a year or two ago. Um, and it's still that prospect that things are still historically great <laughs> as sure. far as affordability goes, um, and and waiting isn't going to be to anyone's benefit. Um, you know, people still believe that rates are going to be even higher a year, two, three, four years from now, and that home prices are going to be higher as well. So, you know, don't wait, even though things have, have moved, have, have changed a lot since the spring, it's still, the rates are historically amazing and the prices are still off the, the peak from 2006. So, there's no reason not to to get out there. I think really the the thing that's going to have the biggest impact on this um, housing market is new construction. Right. And we're finally starting to see that. There was an article in the Tribune um, that I pulled, I think it was about two weeks ago, and it was highlighting all the different projects that are underway. And this is just San Luis Obispo City. There's 13 or so different projects going on right now, some of them commercial, some of them residential. Um, so before too long, we are going to start to see more and more new homes coming on the market. And already, if you look at the real estate section of the Tribune, the front page is is all the new home projects. It, sure. you know, it's been so long since we've seen these new home projects at all. And now right. they're starting to really come on and there's a, there's a lot being marketed now and there's a lot that are um, underway. Sure. And again, just simple economics and supply and demand. If we have more supply, then uh, we, we should see a little bit slower paced appreciation moving forward for sure. And I think that we're just fortunate living in the area that we live in and having a, a even the, the college base that we have here, which really supports a strong rental market. We, uh, we have some rental properties and advertised those recently, and we're able to, to fill those units relatively easily and get the, the rent that we, uh, that we want because there's such a demand for the rental market. And so when, whenever you have that, you know, rental prices are a little bit higher and the, uh, the home affordability with low rates, um, you know, people really start looking at the, what they can rent and what they're getting and then what a mortgage payment would be. And so I think that that really helps support the, the local real estate market as well. 
Yeah, I, the college, I think, is huge for real estate around here. It always is going to keep demand high for the rental units, and it's and it's going to make um, investment here uh, always look pretty good. Absolutely. Um, when you can rent, a, you know, at at a price point, you know, depending on where the property is, sometimes, you know, if you're in San Luis Obispo City, you can get seven, $800 per bedroom. Yep. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And that it, that's not just here. I mean, with, with the price depreciation that we saw, you know, with, with things falling in some areas as much as 50% of, of value, some areas even more than that, we saw investors really seize this opportunity. Yeah. And that's kind of what I want to transition to here is um, some of the takeaways from the past few years of, of the mortgage market after this housing bust. Um, this was an article I pulled from the Wall Street Journal, and it's it's talking about mortgage volume and we're, we're coming off actually some pretty decent years of mortgage volume, but a lot of that is, is refinancing related. The purchase volume is actually down from those, um, early to mid two thousands. Um, it was refinancing that was really fueling that mortgage market. And now we're seeing mortgage volume decline in a big way because all that refinancing frenzy is over and the purchases are still kind of down. A lot of it having to do with not a lot of new units for sale. Um, what we see, speaking to the investment side of things, investors have increased their share of purchases from what's typically around 10 to 11% now to about 15% of all finance purchases are now investors. So we're seeing a higher proportion of investors buying homes. Investors typically... Um, a lot of times we'll buy with all cash too. So those don't even get included in sure. these mortgage metrics. So definitely a lot more um, investors buying homes over these past few years, um, taking advantage of, of strong rental markets mm -hmm. in areas like this and, and just areas in general um, all over California. Um, there's a couple of other takeaways though from this, which I found interesting <laughs> This article says that, you know, borrowers are having trouble making big down payments. FHA and VA loans, FHA requiring a three and a half percent down payment and VA requiring zero down payment accounted for 45 percent of owner occupied home purchase loans in the past um, past five years. I think that's incredible. I don't think it has so much to do with ability as it as it does with the low interest rates and the ability to leverage. If these programs allow these minimum down payments at rock bottom interest rates, three, three and a half, three and a quarter percent interest rates, where's the incentive to put money down um, when it doesn't change the financing terms? You know, it's FHA and VA offer the same rate and the same mortgage insurance and those other add-ons regardless of what your down payment is. Well, sure. FHA has a small decrease in the mortgage insurance if you put more than 5% down. But for the most part, it's really there's no incentive to put a larger down payment down. So I think this article kind of misses it a little bit on that. But I, I did find it interesting that FHA and VA account for 45% of all owner-occupied purchase loans because that is totally different from what we see here in our local community. Um, Maybe it's just our business, but I I think that we do a good volume of business, and and right. what we do is representative of the entire county. We see about ninety percent of our uh, loans as conventional, 
sure. financing, which is definitely the the lesser expensive way to go. VA is a pretty darn good way to buy a home. Yeah, it really. But is. FHA, I find to be less. Um, affordable than conventional. I think you have to take all of those national numbers with a grain of salt, obviously. I mean, we're comparing national numbers, you know, in the Midwest where the home prices are are much lower than they are here. So if you buy a a loan, let's say a VA uh, property with a, uh, buy a property with a VA loan, let's say in a, in the Midwest, your uh, your mortgage payment is going to be much lower because the the loan amount is going to be much lower. Where here locally, you may be able to get in with no money down, but uh, that that mortgage payment is going to be significantly higher. So, um, but I mean, it, it also speaks to you know cash is king, and if people can hang on to their money, um, that's uh, that's what they'll always look to do first. It seems like that when a home buyer sits down initially and these initial consultations, a lot of times they'll be limited by the amount of money that they can put down. And they always want to know what's the, the least amount of money that I can put down into this transaction. So that's uh, that's, that's a conversation that we're always having with clients for sure. Yeah. That you bring up a great point. Our California market is completely different from areas. The, the coastal markets, I should say are completely different from um, the, inland areas Um, the mortgage insurance really is one of the biggest factors i think that plays into this when you're buying a hundred thousand dollar home in in an area some of the things that would that i look at as being um less attractive features of fha or va is mortgage insurance the upfront fee in particular for fha is one and three quarters percent va is two and 2.15 percent on a hundred thousand dollar loan that's $1,700, $2,100 of an add-on that you wouldn't have with a conventional loan. When you're looking at California prices, you know, you have a $500,000 home, that 2% roughly, that's now $10,000. I'm a little more incentivized to look at other options. Do I want to sink that $10,000 into some mortgage insurance or VA funding fee? Or do I want to put that into my down payment and try to avoid mortgage insurance altogether? So I think the... You're very right. This has to be, um, you have to account for the the geographic differences right, when, when right. looking at these national numbers. Um, another takeaway from the past five years and the, the changing mortgage market is the quality of loans that have been made these past five years. Obviously, we know that we've moved away from stated income. Um, we've increased our credit score standards. Subprime loans are, are really not a, not available right now. Um, so what we've seen, loans made between uh, 2006 and 2010, is the average credit score has increased by nearly 30 points, up to 728 credit score. Um, and more importantly, the delinquency rate is a fraction of what it was in 2006. We're now seeing... Um, for mortgages made in 2010, just a half a percent of loans have missed two or more payments within their first two years, which is one twentieth of the rate for loans made in 2006. Wow. So that's that amazing. speaks to um, a higher quality um, applicant, and I think more, more so the, the shift in underwriting criteria um, for a higher quality mortgage altogether. You know, everyone talks about how difficult it is to obtain financing, but what the, the result here is that we don't have delinquency problems, which lead to 
greater problems for the general housing market. Right. When that pendulum swung and with the, the, the requirements to get a loan were much more scrutinized, I think we, uh, we, we sort of guaranteed and built in to the system a, a scenario where if you can't afford, if you can't truly afford this home, then you're not going to qualify for it. So I think that that definitely has helped, and that, that's been a positive for the, the pendulum sort of swinging as far as it did with the, the guidelines tightening up. This may suggest that we've swung a little too far because I think historically the delinquency rate is is closer to 2%. Right. So to be at a half a percent, I'm, I'm not complaining. I don't want to see people missing sure. mortgage payments and, and having to deal with those kind of problems. But at the same time, there, there may be some people who are excluded right now who who might um, might benefit from a little bit of a loosening, but we're already starting to see that. We're starting to see some lenders with the decline in volume start to loosen up a little bit. So it'll be interesting to watch this uh, delinquency number as as guidelines for mortgage underwriting start to loosen. The delinquencies will always be a little bit lower in a market where homes are appreciating. I mean, it, you're not going to walk away from your house when you've got $100,000 of equity there. You're going to get a second job. You're going to borrow. You're going to do everything that you can to stay in that home, where if that appreciation isn't happening and that equity is not there, it makes it much easier to say, you know what, let's walk away from this $2,500 mortgage payment. We can rent for 1500 and we just won't buy for a couple of years. And so I think that, uh, that that's definitely playing a factor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see another takeaway home equity lending remember that yeah remember those yeah. things those second liens those HELOCs I remember getting the letter saying your <laughs> line has been closed <laughs> yeah we're reducing it down to what you owe yeah exactly um, no more draws for you well in 2006 nearly 1.3 million borrowers used a second mortgage to buy a home Wow uh, what, what take a guess what do you think uh, it was in 2010 the number of borrowers using equity lines or second mortgages to buy homes in oh, 2010 it had to drop significantly down to nothing i would almost significant imagine. yes darn near nothing from 1.3 million borrowers in 2006 down to 42,000 in wow. 2010 yeah they just went away and it stayed at near that 42,000 level for the past 3 years well those second lenders can only take a beating for so long and they uh with the with home prices dropping and they're 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 they often got left with nothing nothing yeah yes, exactly interestingly nothing. enough as as we've seen uh the the loan application volume really decline here in the past couple of months i have seen now i think two of our 40 banks roll out second lien programs so I think I think that's something that we will see. I think there there's definitely a place for equity lines. And I think a lot of homeowners who took advantage of three to three and a half percent interest rates have zero interest in ever touching those loans as long as they own the home. So equity lines are going to play a big role in the future for people accessing equity um, in their home should they want to. And I think it Want works for, for some borrowers, and I think that they, they recognize that. I mean, uh, one of the advantages of buying a home with a second, uh, a second mortgage or an equity line is you may have an opportunity to, to forego that uh, mortgage insurance. And so there's definitely a place where the right borrower 
uh, will be able to to confidently make that payment in the future, and there and and I think the banks recognize that and see that. So that uh, that broad stroke of let's just pull it out of the market altogether, I think they're realizing that there is a place for that. Uh, the guidelines will probably still be relatively strict on those uh, those second positions because they're in a much vulnerable situation. But I think for the right borrowers, I think they realize it's a, it's a useful tool for them. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's see here. The last thing that really struck me from this report on the past five years of the mortgage market was um, the mortgage reform. And this is the qualified mortgage, which is going to limit, um, gosh, do I really want to tackle this? Um, That's a big topic with <laughs> 10 minutes left in the hour. <laughs> so the, the big thing is, is who should get the who should get access to some of the the best interest rates out there and and this qm is basically saying if you're a if you're a lender and you're going to offer a riskier mortgage you're going to have to retain a stake in that mortgage mm -hmm. and just the way the the whole mortgage industry works if if a bank's going to have to maintain a stake which has been talked about being about a five percent stake in that mortgage um that's a lot of their capital that's being tied up if they're going to have to tie up that capital, um, they're going to want to get a higher rate of return. Sure. And so you're not going to be able to get these these three and four percent mortgages that are being offered by Fannie and Freddie um, on the higher risk mortgages. And, and the biggest factor that's been called out to determine a higher risk mortgage is the debt to income ratio. So basically the borrower's monthly cash flow. Um, and and their ability to repay ability to repay that sure. mortgage, um, the number that seemed I don't know how they arrived at this number, but forty three percent is the number that has been um, identified as as the the line between a qualified mortgage and not. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, borrowers who qualify for mortgages have debt ratios at forty three percent or higher. Sure. In fact, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will go up to 50%. FHA will go up to 57%. And I think VA will go up to like 60%. So we've even seen some of the, the heart programs where heart will go up to what we've seen as high as 70%. Yeah, they just have, yeah, exactly. So what happens to these people? Are these people all just now come the first of the year going to be subject to higher interest rates simply because their debt to income ratios are higher and they happen to live in a uh, a state like California where the home prices are, are substantially high compared to their incomes? Well, I don't know. I think that question's being answered here. Um, we're getting some clarification from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau that 43% is going to be the, the cap for a qualified mortgage unless the mortgage is approved through the automated underwriting engines mm -hmm. of Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and FHA. Right. So basically it's a, if it's not a, a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or FHA loan is going to be excluded from that 43% cap. So really I don't think it's going to have as big of an impact on the mortgage market as it was feared when this rule first came out. So I think that's, that's the final takeaway. There's been a lot of change in our industry, a lot of rules that have, that have scared a lot of the industry professionals. Um, and, and I don't think that they're going to have as big of an impact as we had at once feared, um, on the mortgage market. So it's going to maintain this nice, affordable, 
uh, rate of borrowing for home purchase and home refinance for a large segment of the people. Only a few folks are going to be facing some troubles when it comes to these rules. So all good stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's going to be really interesting to see how the mortgage market adapts, I think, as we move forward um, in this new environment. We've seen for the past several years, last year really peaked with uh, refinance volume being about 80% of all all, uh, mortgage applications. That's significantly fallen off, obviously. Yeah, yeah, definitely falling off in a big way. Um, So purchases really are the future of the mortgage industry, and I think going along with that is uh, we're going to see a lot of consolidation in the mortgage industry. There's less less business out there for um, to feed the sure. the mortgage machine, and so we're going to see banks acquiring big banks acquiring smaller banks. We're going to see more people getting out of the industry. I think um, so. There's going to be more transition ahead for the mortgage industry. Um, so. I kind of wanted to, I'm trying to transition. I'm not sure if I'm doing it very well, but one of the things that we're doing, and I alluded to it earlier with Julia, is we're trying to find ways to partner with local businesses and local organizations like the EVC to help bring the the dream of home ownership to more people on the Central Coast um, who, be, who just don't even think it's possible. Sure. Um, yeah, there's a lot that, uh, like you said, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I, I like what we've put together with the Community Partnership Program and really just trying to do our part to help support and grow the local economy and making homeownership a little bit more affordable for the businesses in our area and then the employees that work for those businesses. So um, what we're doing is we're donating our time, you know, our knowledge, our expertise, um, and really want to partner up with local businesses and and make the the process a little bit easier for for people in the area. We've got a lot of good companies in the area that are trying to bring employees in and you know those new employees come in they don't know about our real estate market. They don't know about, you know, the counties of the the areas of the county that uh, that maybe have affordable home prices. Um, and so what we're doing is we're, we're, we're willing to come in, um, you know, meet with you and your employees, uh, meet at your place of business. We can do, um, we can do lunch, we can do seminars. There's a lot of different things that we can do, but we really are focused on making those, uh, those partnerships strong in our local community and, and really trying to help out as best we can. So if you're listening and have a local business and want to give us a call, we'd be more than happy to meet with you. Obviously, each business is is set up a little bit differently where we can come in and talk to you know a handful of people all at once, or we can deal with your human resource department, pass along some information, literature that uh, can be you know passed along to the employees, but really want to make ourselves a resource. And I think that our connection with the community um, can be seen with our website. I mean, if you take a moment to check out our website, you can really see that it's not a salesy website. We really want to, uh, we're trying to bring to light some of the local businesses, um, trying to really share information and and help people out as best we can in our community, for sure. Yeah, there's, with a lot of the businesses that are, are either starting up or are trying to grow in our area, one of the challenges that, that, feedback that we're getting that they're finding and attracting quality employees to this area um, is this belief that with the the wage levels here on the central coast are a little bit lower than like the bay area or or some areas of southern california so when when you're trying to attract these quality 
um, professionals from those areas, they look at maybe a, a lesser wage than they can get in the bigger metros. And they also see home prices or they hear these stories about home prices in the central coast that are very high and sure. and it's hard they, they just don't believe that it's possible at the the wage levels here to afford um to buy a home and it's really not the case there's there's a lot of opportunity to to own homes there's a lot of ways to buy a home um and and that's what we are trying to inform people about um there's there's a lot of technicalities with with underwriting and and the way you qualify for mortgages and we just want to share what we know we try to do it on our website like you mentioned centralcoastlending.com but we also will do those face-to-face meetings and and the one-on-ones that'll help people really gain a comfort level and hopefully for those growing businesses help you attract quality people to to help grow your business um, so that you know everyone everyone succeeds here Sure, and this is a good platform for that to be able to to let the community know that we're here, and you know we've got uh, information on the radio, we've got the website. We're willing to come out and sit down and meet with you face to face, and 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 do what we can to help for sure. So, if you're interested, if you're a local business owner, we're calling this our mortgage partnership program. And if you're interested, just give us a call during the week at our office. The number is five four three loan. That's five four three five six two six. And uh, we'd love to talk to you more about the program. Well, we're nearing the end here. We've got less than a minute to go, so it's time to do a little bit of the house cleaning. Jason, thank you so much for uh, joining me again here in the studio. Jason works um, in the South County. You work all over the county, but you reside in the South County and can provide great service to folks in the southern San Luis Obispo County. How can folks get a hold of you if they'd like to talk about mortgage uh, opportunities. They can call Central Coast Lending and uh, and ask for me there. Um, and my phone number is 801-2139 as well. And we invite you to visit our website. Look at all the great information that we provide at centralcoastlending.com. There's a great apply now feature. If you are interested in either refinancing or purchasing a home, go to centralcoastlending.com or call us at 543-LOAN.